0: All right, folks. Welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Today, we have Seamus Badan from Embit Podcast. He's the host and founder of this fantastic podcast. And he's going to share some of his insight into the markets as well as investing and a lot of other great stuff. So Seamus, uh, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us today.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys taking time to uh, let me join your podcast. I know I had Andrew back on the podcast a few months back. It was great. We talked about some beginner's tips, and I'm uh, excited to share some insights here on your podcast.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So Seamus, for those of the folks out there that are not familiar with you, could you kind of give us a little bit of a backstory? real quick.
2: Yeah, so currently I'm a 16 year old investor, host of the Embit podcast. I started investing when I was 12 years old, started with Apple, not financial advice. But I did that because I wanted to invest in a company that I was very familiar with and that I enjoyed their products. And me being that young, I just thought it was cool to own a piece of the company and say, oh, I'm a part owner of Apple. So I did that and it got me hooked into investing. I've been long term stuck with Apple ever since. And then when I was 15, Last year, November of 2020, is when I had a lot of knowledge I've accumulated over four years of investing, especially with the March 2020 crash. I'm like, I kind of want to share that with people. So I decided, you know what? Why not create a podcast? So I released my first episode around December 7th or December 8th of 2020, mainly discussing some recent news and events and why it's important and breaking them down into really concise episodes. So I started with that, which was good, but I realized how competitive that industry was. And it's really important to have some more valuable insights and in providing new perspectives. So I reached out to Zev FEMA, a research analyst for Jim Carimer's uh, Charitable Trust Fund. And he's like, hey, why don't you put some like little financial tidbits at the end? So I'm like, that's a great idea because I've been invested in the market for a long time. And I think that's a good part to put at the end for people to learn about, especially the younger audience. So I started with that. And then I realized how valuable uh, those types of tidbits could be. So then I made them into longer form content and just transformed my podcast to a new insights, interviewing guests, talking about anything, entrepreneurship, tech, investing wise, or personal finance. And then I've been trying to, been growing it ever since by continuously posting new episodes interviewing new guests growing the social accounts and uh yeah
0: yeah, that's awesome. So I have to ask, what got you interested at twelve years old to be, you know, interested in the market? I have a nine-year-old daughter, and I mentioned this off the air. Whenever I talk about any of this kind of stuff, she just rolls her eyes and boring. So, you know, how for any dads or moms out there that are would love to get their kids a little more interested in this, I mean, what spurred this interest for you?
2: Yes. Uh, to be completely honest, I was not interested in the markets for most of my life. My dad was telling me at ten years old, I, we're walking down this sidewalk. We were at the beach and he's like, hey, you should put some money in the Apple. It's a good place to start. It was at $91 pre-split. And I'm like, yeah, I'll wait for it to go lower. I didn't know anything about the markets and I wasn't really interested at the time. And that really showed that you can't really force someone's interest, but it can be developed. Then when I was 12 years old, we were sitting on the couch watching some investing talk and it's like, hey, why don't you start investing in Apple? That would be a good time. Starting early would be a good advantage. I'm like, you know what, I'll do it. So the next day we decided to start up at a brokerage account. I've started investing only like one or two shares, 266 pre-split. And uh, I started with a very small amount of Apple. And I have continued to grow it since then. But in the beginning, at least for the first year or two, it wasn't that exciting. And uh, I wasn't playing around with my portfolio. It just wasn't exciting. It was just sitting there. It was neat to look at how my portfolio changed every day, the amount of money, how much it decreased or increased. But it just wasn't exciting. And it wasn't until the last two years where I started finding interest in it. I think mainly because was able to see that consistency in the market and sticking with it long-term and keep investing in it actually makes a big impact. I was able to mm. grow my portfolio a pretty significant amount since then. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should teach others about this too, which is where the podcast came from. But it wasn't really, a, it didn't spark my interest until the past couple of years. So when I first started investing, it wasn't interesting. But over time is where I developed that interest.
0: So do you think having skin in the game helped a little bit?
2: It really does. I mean, I did start reading some books. There is one thing that every investor should know is you shouldn't go in without knowing anything. You shouldn't just start pouring your money into stuff, just assuming skin in the game will teach you everything because they'll teach you a lot, but you learn a lot more if you have some knowledge beforehand. So I was reading books about Warren Buffett, how he started off. I read The Millionaire Next Door, which was a fantastic book. I was watching videos. I was consuming a quite a bit of content before I started investing. And then once I was investing for a bit, I was able to look through trends, understand why things happen in the market, especially when I started taking macroeconomics. And that's where the skin in the game did help me learn and put connect the dots in my.
1: I've got a question for you. So. I'm a bit shocked. The age of 12, your dad said you should buy some Apple at $92 a share. And so you had $92 in a bank account at 12 years old?
2: Yeah, that's correct. I think it was more like 10. He said it. I didn't start until 12. But yeah, I've been saving some money up since I was young. I would do chores. I would either wash cars. I would help with shoveling snow I didn't really have any purpose for the money originally. I would mainly just save it up and hoping I could buy something with it one day, which eventually I never did. Yeah, I started off saving and uh, then in long-term investing in the markets made me realize how impactful saving is, how interesting it can be.
0: When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products before nerd wallet. I pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards, a hotel upgrade lounge access, wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until monarch money. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Mm-hmm. So is your dad an investor or does he work in the finance world?
2: Yeah, so he owns his own business. It's called Junction Education. It's an education business that does mainly B2B stuff to create courseware. We've done some stuff with the street. We just did some stuff with uh, FOS and Facebook and Instagram, front office sports. But yeah, in regards to personal finance and investing, he's been in the field for a couple decades, I think. started investing a while ago. And once he had accumulated a lot of knowledge, he wanted to pass that uh, some of that along to me. But he didn't start when he was a child because at that age, that wasn't really possible. There were a lot more restrictions. There wasn't Commission free. You needed to have X amount of money in the bank or you needed a lot more financial restrictions before you could do anything. Now you can open up any type of brokerage account. You have no commissions and you can start off with zero dollars and start investing with a dollar. But yeah.
0: That's awesome. So, all right, let's talk about some other interesting things here. So what do you think people most misunderstand about financial literacy?
2: Yeah, I'd say there's probably there's quite a few, but I can narrow it down to like one to three. The first one is that they can procrastinate. So every year you decide to wait on financial literacy is another year that you cannot take advantage of compounded market returns. And sometimes I've just played around with a compound interest calculator. And it's interesting to see the earlier you start, you could start with a lot less money and you would have way more by retirement. For example, you could have like a 50 K salary and end up with way more for retirement than someone who makes 500 K a year because didn't decide to eat out all the time, purchase luxury sports cars or live a lavish lifestyle, which is one of the key lessons from the millionaire next door. And then the second one is saving will solve financial stress. Now, I do highly believe that saving is an essential habit to learn, but very few people have grown wealth over time by just sticking money in a bank account. And at least nowadays, it's depreciating by inflation because of the very low interest rates. But yeah, those would be the couple things I would say.
1: Millionaire Next Door. Maybe you can talk about that book because I don't know if we've mentioned that book on the podcast yet just the premise of it's kind of really fascinating for people who haven't heard about it
2: i've read it a long time ago back when i was like 12 or 13 but basically the premise of it is uh to basically say the assets you own or believe to be owned do not determine where you are financially that was one of the key lessons i learned which was you could have a giant mansion but you might not even be able to afford it and you could have a lot less money than someone who lives in a small little cabin because they're putting money away So the assets that you have don't equate to how far you are financially.
1: And so it's kind of like the millionaire next door concept is you could be how you could have millionaires next door to you. You don't think they're millionaires because they don't have a big house, but that could actually be the exact reason they're millionaires is because they're not spending on these lavish assets.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah, because they decided not to spend lavishly to hold back. And that's what gets people to be millionaires. So you don't become a millionaire by purchasing ridiculously expensive stuff, eating out all the time. You become a millionaire by learning uh, healthy financial habits.
0: How do you think that translates to what we're seeing in the markets now? Because you could argue that's what's really driving all the frenzy lately is that everybody's trying to get rich quick.
2: Yeah, everybody is trying to get rich quick. I think it's one of those things why people are a lot of people are quitting their jobs. They're like, hey, I see NFTs. I see Bitcoin. I see all of these things that I feel like I could make more money than my job. I think that's one of the reasons why people are quitting their jobs because they see more opportunities. And there are more opportunities now than there ever were before with the internet and these things. And I think we'll continue to see that long term where people will have an easier reason to leave a job because of the amount of opportunities that there are outside of the workplace. And then we're seeing people like financial influencers and whatnot making six figures a year just by building their own thing and doing what they want to do instead of working for somebody else. So yeah, you could do that as a side hustle too, but yeah.
0: That's a very good point. All right, what's the most important lesson you've learned from investing? I've
2: learned quite a few, but my number one would be uh, products are different from a company. There's an example I had with Fitbit. I purchased a very small amount, but I purchased some Fitbit back when I was 14, 13, 14, because my premise was, hey, I really like these trackers. I've used their products. I think their company will go far. And it didn't. It ended up not doing well at all. It's really important to understand that products are not the same thing as a company. A company is based of, you have the financial aspect of it, how they're making money off of it, but you can't base it company, a good, strong company based off products. like Apple has some really great products in the beginning of their career, but it doesn't mean they were necessarily a strong company then. They weren't. They were not doing so great. They ended up doing great now, but if you're deciding to invest, just make sure that even though you might like a product, the product does not equate to a company.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. It goes a little bit along with what Peter Lynch was talking about when he was talking about buy what you know. Sometimes that can be good, but sometimes maybe not so much because sometimes there's companies out there that you may love the product, but it may not be a great investment. My favorite company to pick on is Tesla. So that (laughs) you could, you could argue that, you know, the cars are great, but maybe buying the company may not be well, in my old opinion is, is maybe not the best choice, but you know, I think that's probably really good advice. All right. So let's say that we're new to investing. Where do I start?
2: Yeah, so you could start in a couple places. But first, you kind of want to make sure that you're saving enough. So the general rule of thumb is to save at least 20% of your paycheck. However, you, if you can't do that, that's fine. Then start with a smaller number and build your way up. From there, after you have built up an emergency fund, which should be at least three to six months of expenses, then you can be, move on to investing. So you first want to make sure you have a solid foundation before you start putting playing with your money and putting it at risk. And uh, only risk what you're willing to lose. But one of the most important things I've been able to control is FOMO. It can be difficult to see other investors making hundreds, if not thousands of percent increases on their trades, but you have to make sure to do Uh, your own due diligence. So the key thing to remember is uh, when you first start is to begin with an index fund, like maybe VOO or SPY. And when you feel comfortable, then you can begin researching other companies and looking into investing them and analyzing them, doing fundamental analysis on them. Especially now, it's important for new investors to recognize we are in a bubble, at least I think, now understanding some basic economics uh, helps here too. For example, uh, the government can't keep pumping trillions of dollars into the economy and not expect a consequence. Elon Musk was talking about it the other day on the Wall Street Journal. And what the government hasn't been very good at, and it's very clear, is asset allocation. If it were up to me, I'd have some of the world's like most successful CEOs who have been able to asset allocate Uh, be advisors for the Fed. Um, Now, what happens with the government is if there isn't enough money, they'll just print some more causing inflation, which is fine. You want continued inflation, but a really high percentage at 6.2% might not be that great, especially if it's the highest in uh, 30-plus years. So because of this economic situation, we're going to see a volatile market. It's important to understand that with stocks, NFTs, crypto. And it's important to invest and uh, only risk what you're willing to lose. And uh, if you're looking into long-term investing, just stick with it. Keep analyzing the company and uh, trust your gut, but also do the due diligence and keep yourself educated.
0: Yeah, I'd like to talk about this, the FOMO idea a little bit. I think that's something that is Maybe not discussed a lot, but it is certainly real right now because you cannot go on social media in any way, shape or form, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Snapchat, any of those. You're going to see somebody out there talking about how great their portfolio is doing. And then you look at yours and yours is like the. And it's really hard not to buy into that enthusiasm, hype, whatever term you want to. So how do you fight against that?
2: I don't know if I necessarily fight against it. I generally have my own opinions on what stocks to buy. And like if someone posts something saying this is really important to buy, you should look into investing in this. I'll look into it, but it doesn't mean I'll place a trade or invest into it just based off of what someone posts on social media. I mean, you can see with... Elon Musk, he'll post, he he could write Doge right now on Twitter and the crypto would pump insanely just because he put that one little tweet. And then you see some stuff on TikTok too. Like you have these people showing their portfolios or how to get rich quick through this type of trading strategy. And uh, it's just stuff that you just want to do the research on your own because if it doesn't do well on, you're going to blame the person who taught you on TikTok. But at least if you know you did your research, then there was nothing else you could do. But it's always important to not fall into the, emo- what I like to say is take most of your emotions out of investing. Just keep with the facts uh, and with the research and what you know.
0: All right, well, let's talk about the research. You've mentioned that a few times. So yeah. what does that mean to you?
2: So there's a couple different things. First, you could look at the financial statements. If you don't understand them, you don't have to. You could also look at things like fundamental analysis and search for stocks that are trading at prices higher or lower than their real value. This is kind of what, well Warren Buffett did mainly uh, value investing, but a little bit of fundamental, he did fundamental analysis too. But if the fair market value is higher than the market price, then the stock is deemed to be undervalued, a buy recommendation is given. Now it doesn't mean it can't go down because it can always go down. But in contrast, technical analysis, which is some of the stuff you're seeing on social media of these quick trades, they just ignore the fundamentals in favor of studying historical tr- price trends of the stock using tools like Spider and other tools like that.
0: Okay, so when you do research, what does that entail for you? Are you reading through all the financial documents? Are you studying other things that other people are writing about the companies? Like what kinds of things, you know, do you look for?
2: Yeah, financials are a very small part of what I look at. So I look at. I mean one of the things that is important is how much they spend in r and d but i also I read a lot of articles. I do research in regards to uh, where they're headed um, for example, I recently invested in Nvidia, not financial advice, but I saw they acquired one of the world's leader in uh, semiconductors for AI. So I've been looking into an NVIDIA for months, but I didn't decide to place a quick trade just because I read that article. So I continued researching, reading other articles, watching videos, seeing different perspectives, seeing the good and bad. So it's not just a one sided thing. That way I could get all the research out in front of me and I have all the facts laid out and then I can make a decision based off of that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So can you give us some of the tools that you use to kind of research some of these things?
2: Yeah, I don't use any software. So for me, I just start looking stuff up, reading articles, as I mentioned, just searching the company, looking up the ticker, Yahoo Finance, you could look through some of the financial statements there, reading what the company has said. Yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: Okay. You, you don't have any like favorite websites or anything that you like to hit up.
2: CNBC is one that I use for a lot of business news and I like to use it for different perspectives too. Yahoo finances, I use for the financial statements, as I mentioned, but I really like CNBC, how they lay out their content and how they explain. And they sometimes also have a video, but yeah, I'd also like to take it from a variety of different sources. That way it's not just one sided. Okay.
0: Andrew, I'm monopolizing the conversation. Anything else you feel like we haven't covered, Shamus?
2: I think you guys covered a lot. I enjoyed the uh, conversation here. Um, I think it's personal finance and investing is something that a lot of young people won't think about. But it's really important. And you don't even have to like it. You just got to start learning about it, right? Like you could invest half the amount of money starting at a young age and be left with over a million dollars by retirement than someone who invests double starting at in their 30s. And you'd have like half of someone who invested when they were young. So I think the real key point is do the research, start early and uh, don't procrastinate on it.
0: Preach on brother, preach on. (laughs) (laughs) Do you
1: have like any advice for somebody who's younger Wanting to get started for the very first time, what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, I know when I found when I was younger, the first type of content I started consuming was video. So you could just look at some reliable sources of videos on YouTube. Just look up how to start investing or TikTok. Like there's some financial accounts out there, including myself, which will discuss how you can start investing in like short form content. That way you can see it real quick. You can get more data points and just see how other people are doing it. The more information, the better.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right.
1: Where can people learn more about you? Check out more of the stuff you've got going on if they wanted to listen to more of the content that you provide online.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. So I'm currently uh, MBIT podcast or MBIT podcast. If you just search that up, Apple podcast, Spotify is everywhere. I'm also on Twitter at MBIT podcast and TikTok and Instagram at MBIT podcast. Um, Instagram, I don't post as much, but Twitter, I post uh, most of my stuff. But yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So Seamus, we really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come talk to us. This was a fascinating conversation and I learned a lot and it was really interesting to hear you talk and you're doing great things, my friend, and keep doing what you're doing and and keep shouting all this from the mountaintop because more and more people need to hear this. And it's encouraging to me to see younger generations like you and Andrew picking this up and and taking with it and running with it. So keep doing what you're doing.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, thank you guys for carving the time out to let me be on your podcast.
0: It was absolutely our pleasure. All right. So I'll go ahead and take us out. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our conversation for tonight. We wanted to thank Seamus for taking the time to talk to us. It was a fantastic conversation and we really enjoyed it. So without any further ado, I'll go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week. We'll talk to you all next week.
1: We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven steps to understanding the stock market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way, with real-life examples. Get access today at StockMarketPDF.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasinocom No purchase necessary. 4 law 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?